Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by PastorStudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for the Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Today we begin a four-part series on the Apostles' Creed. For almost 2,000 years, the church on Sunday mornings has confessed aloud what's called the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty and in Jesus Christ His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit, etc. The Apostles' Creed was the creed from the Christian church in Rome from 360 A.D. forward, but it goes back even earlier than that, and it goes back even earlier than 250 A.D. Now, we call it the Apostles' Creed, not that the Apostles wrote it, because they would have been dead by then, but we call it the Apostles' Creed because it summarizes the teaching of the Apostles. It's a summary of, of the New Testament teaching. So what we want to do on this program is do the first article of the Creed, which is I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Next week we'll do two, uh, well, in the next two weeks we'll do two on the Son, and lastly we'll do I believe in the Holy Spirit. So let's word by word go through just the first article of the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed basically teaches the Trinity, that there's one God, but in God are three equal and eternal persons. The Father is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, not three gods, one God and three persons. Today we talk about the first person of the Trinity, the first article of the Creed, God the Father. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we want to pray for anyone listening to this program who does not yet have you as their Heavenly Father. We would pray, Lord, you'd speak now to us and bring to saving faith those that are listening who do not yet know Christ. And Lord, we want to pray for those who are Christians that you'd strengthen them now in their faith as we go through the creed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Let's word by word go through that. The first word in the creed is I. I think that means Christianity must be personal. Not we believe. In, I believe in God the Father Almighty. It's a personal thing. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a personal relationship with God? Or is it a cultural thing for you? I can say this because I'm German and I'm Lutheran. But the state of Christianity in Germany is dismal. The Lutheran Church has been the state church of Germany for uh, about 500 years. And in Germany, everybody's a Lutheran. Everybody gets baptized as a baby. When they're about 13, they all get confirmed, and then almost nobody goes to church. It's even worse in Norway and Sweden, again, where for hundreds of years, Lutheranism has been the state religion. I, have a, I, I know a dear older Norwegian woman, and she's grieved when she visits Norway because she says, I was raised in the church, lots of us raised in the church. None of my relatives go to church anymore. And they'll say to me things like, you don't still believe all that, do you? But technically, they're Lutherans. I almost don't blame 
the Lutherans in Sweden for not going to church? Do you know that the head bishop now of the Lutheran church in Sweden is a partnered lesbian? <laughs> so for many people, it's not a personal relationship. They're a Christian, if they are, because grandma's a Christian and because I'm an American and doesn't that make me a Christian? No, it doesn't. The word I means you have to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ if, if you're going to go to heaven, if you're going to be a real Christian. The first, I believe in God the Father. The word I means this is real for me. It's important for me. It's not because I'm Lutheran or German or American. So, so here's the easy way to test this. Test yourself to see if you have a personal relationship with God. Here's the threefold test. Number one, do you pray? Not do you say, come Lord Jesus at the table. Do you ever really pray to God? Do you pray to God every day? Talk to him about your life? Number two test, do you read your Bible? Is the word of God important to you? If you have no hunger for knowing God and his word, you've got to ask yourself if you're really a Christian. And third test, do you ever witness, meaning, do you ever talk to people about Jesus, about how important Jesus is to you? Do you pray? Do you read your Bible? Do you witness? If you never do those things, you're not a Christian. It's a cultural thing for you. Next words, I believe in. Notice, I believe in, not I believe about. This is a hugely important distinction. According to the Gallup poll, 96% of Americans say they believe in God. Well, I read that and I thought, how can that be? America has become the moral sewer. We have one of the world's highest abortion rates in the United States. One out of four babies are killed in its mother's womb. We are the supplier of hardcore pornography for the planet. Nobody produces more pornography than the United States of America. Turn on your TV. Things have become so filthy and vile. What do you mean that 96% uh, of Americans believe in God? The answer is they don't believe in God. They believe about God. I mean, the devil believes in God, if you mean by that. The devil knows God exists. In fact, the devil knows Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. He believes all about God, but he doesn't believe in God. Let me explain this. Years ago in college, old Dr. Bob, one of the best professors I ever had, was explaining what it means to believe in God. And he said, my father lives in California. One day I wrote him a letter, sent him a plane ticket, and said, Dad, come to Minneapolis and visit me. My dad sent the ticket back. Thank you, son, but I don't believe in those airplanes, and I'm safe here in California. No thanks. He, Dr. Bob wrote him back, Dad, airplanes are safe. I fly in them twice a week, etc. Come visit me. And the old dad decided he was going to visit his son. So he got up the ramp sat in the airplane, took off, landed safely in Minneapolis, visited his son, m flew back, landed safely in, L in L.A. And old doc our, my Dr. Bob professor said, notice this, my dad before that day believed all about airplanes. He knew they were out there, they went up and came down, but I don't believe in one of those things. But then one day, dad actually got on an airplane, sat in an airplane, took off an airplane. Now he doesn't believe about airplanes, he believes in airplanes. When you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, you're not saying you know God exists. The devil, everybody almost knows God exists. But when you say, I believe in, you're saying, I trust in. I get on his plane. Lord God, you're my father. I'm going to trust my whole life into your hands. 
That's what it means to believe in God the Father. And even though 96% of Americans say they do believe in, no, they believe about. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Here's another way to talk about believing in. You ever heard this story? An atheist falls off a cliff. As he's falling, he grabs onto this branch sticking out of the rock, and he's dangling a mile, we'll say, above the earth. And finally, his arms are getting loose, and he can't hold on. He looks up, and the atheist says, Anybody up there? God, if you are up there, help. And a voice comes from heaven. My son, let go of the branch, and I will catch you. And the atheist says, anybody else up there? <laughs> Here's the difference. A lot of people believe all about God. They know he's up there. But they don't let go of their own efforts to save themselves. They don't say, okay, God, I'm going to let go of me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my life in your hands. I'm getting on the airplane. I'm trusting you to save me because I can't do it. That's what it means to believe in Christ. Next word. I believe in, meaning trust, I believe in... <coughs> God, singular. The word God in the creed means Christians are monotheists. Jews, Muslims, and Christians believe in just one God. We are what's called monotheists. I don't personally believe we believe in the same one God. I don't think the Christian God is the same as Allah at all. But Muslims, Christians, and Jews are monotheists. They only believe in one God. Um, Hindus and Mormons are polytheists. They believe in, poly means many, they believe in many thousands of gods. And then Buddhists and New Age people tend to be what's called pantheists. Pan means all, everything is God. So if you're a good pantheist, the trees are God, the moon is God, I'm God, you're God. I saw some graffiti sprayed on a church a while ago. It said, we are all God. That's pantheism. That's the New Age movement. And I'll quote her again. I'm sure glad she's kind of off TV. Oprah Winfrey said, who was raised Baptist, and she says she's a Christian, quote, I used to believe Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. Now I believe he came to get us in touch with our own inner Christ consciousness. Oprah believes we're all the Christ. And so Shirley MacLaine, years ago, was on the Oprah Winfrey Show, and Shirley says to Oprah, misquoting the Bible, Be still and know, Oprah, that you are God. I am God. We're all God. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's pantheism. Christianity believes in monotheism. There's only one God, and I ain't him. I mean, I, I was in California for vacation some time ago. I'm walking through a shopping mall. And here is an elderly woman at this little outside restaurant talking to this older man who was standing up. And I'm passing by, and I hear her talking to him saying, don't you sense that we're all merging into the ultimate? And you could tell kind of, if I remember right, by the look on this guy's face, he's thinking, huh? And her point was, we're all one, and as the universe ages, we're all becoming one with everything. God is everything. Everything is God. That's called pantheism. It's big in the New Age movement. It's big in Oprah and Shirley MacLaine. No, no, no. There's one God. We're not him. <clears throat> Next words. I believe in God, the Father, 
Talk about the word father. The word father in the creed means God wants an intimate relationship with you. Jesus taught us to pray our father who art in heaven. That means that God wants a close personal relationship with you. Like a father to a son, uh, he wants to have a close, loving father-son relationship with you. Now, I remember the same old Dr. Bob, the professor of mine at Bethel uh, College many years ago. He said one day he was preaching to a group of children on the fatherhood of God. And a little boy comes up after the sermon with tears in his eyes, and he says, Oh, Mr., if God is like a father, you can keep him. And Dr. Bob said to this little boy, Why are you crying? Well, my dad comes home drunk. He beats up my mother. He hates my brother and I. And if God is like a father, you can keep him. And Dr. Bob said, Well, okay, but little boy, let me ask you something. What do you think the best dad in the world would be like? And the little boy, oh, he'd love you, and he'd spend time with you, and he'd take you places, and he'd give you things, and he'd hold you. That's what a, a good dad would be. And Dr. Bob said, little boy, that's God the Father. When we say our Father who art in heaven, I believe in God the Father, the word Father means God wants a close, personal relationship with you. That's what the word Father means. Now, I need to make a couple-minute detour here and talk about something that just bugs me. A lot of churches are getting rid of God the Father. My form, when I was an ELCA Lutheran pastor before our congregation left, the liberal Lutheran bishop of Minneapolis got up and opened the convention in the name of the Father, Mother, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I sat there going, oh, isn't that hip and isn't that heretical? See, we've got feminism now that's invaded the church, and you can go to a lot of Christian churches now and rarely hear about God the Father. Why? Because that's sexist. No, it isn't. Jesus taught us to pray our Father. You don't correct Jesus Christ. And if you're an ELCA Lutheran, you've got the new red hymn book. They've desexed all the Psalms. They, they won't talk about God as he. It's all God, 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 God. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, so I went to a Lutheran church a while ago for the worship service. The woman pastor gets up to preach. She talks about a woman who came to her for counseling. And this woman pastor said to her, well, you know, you had a bad relationship with your father. So when you pray, why don't you pray our mother in heaven? And I sat there thinking, because that's not the way Jesus taught us to pray. And you know what happened? Here this woman in counseling needed a father, a good loving father. And this feminist pastor just took him away. I mean, if anybody needs a father, it's those that have had a bad earthly father. So when you say, I believe in God the Father, we're not talking an evil drunkard father. We're talking about a loving God who made you and loves you, and we worship the Father. I believe in God the Father, next word, Almighty. Let's talk about the word Almighty. The word almighty means stop worrying. If you're a Christian, you have faith in the Father, he's taking care of things. I, I, I heard this from that same old preacher, Dr. Bob, at Bethel, Bethel College many years ago. I still remember. He said this. In the beginning, God took a lump of clay. God rolled up his sleeves, took this clay, and, and made it into a few balls and threw it out into the sky to make the heavens and the earth. 
Then God took one of those little balls of clay, and with his fingernail, God carved out the depths of the oceans, the height of the mountains. He flicked the dust from his fingers and made more stars to fill the sky. God looked back at the world, filled the crevices with water and every kind of fish and teeming creature. He populated the land with vegetation and every kind of animal you can imagine. All in the palm of his hand, God maintains and sustains all the planets, all the solar systems, all the galaxies that spin throughout infinite, infinite space. Now, is God big enough for your problem? <laughs> when we say the words, I believe in God the Father Almighty in the creed, we should stop and say, okay, God, forgive me for worrying. I'm putting that in your hands. I'm trusting you, big God, to take care of little me, and he can do it. <laughs> I believe in God the Father Almighty. Last words, maker of heaven and earth. The word maker means there is design and purpose to the universe. The universe just didn't happen to come about through a process of evolution. God made everything. That means there's a design to this planet and the universe. That means there's purpose to it. Let's talk about purpose and design. Let's talk about design first. I, I'm on a plane years ago sitting next to a medical doctor from Canada. And he finds out I'm a preacher and he says, oh, I'm a Christian. I became a Christian in med school. I said, well, what converted you? He said, when I ex examined and studied the human body and how perfectly designed and complex and wonderfully designed the human body is, I had to conclude there's a designer to this body. <laughs> and the design of, of the universe is what converted him to Christ. You know, I, we need to think about this. If, if there is no God... I mean, it's, it's like this. You and a friend are walking along the shore of the ocean. You find a watch, a stopwatch. You pick it up. You pop up the back. It's, so, it's got all gears, and, and you say to your friend, isn't this an intricately designed stopwatch? And your friend, the atheist, says, nobody designed that thing. Well, what do you mean nobody designed it? Look how intricate and, and perfect this thing is. No, no, I think zillions of years of the water pounding on the sand had formed this stopwatch. What do you mean? No, you can't. And, and see, that's, that's what atheists do. Th they look at the universe, which is much more complex and designed than a stopwatch, and they say, nobody made it. <laughs> it doesn't work. When we say, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, we mean there's a design to things, and we also mean because it was made, there's a purpose to things. You know why people kill themselves? They don't have a purpose in life. I have a buddy who was telling me about his uh, friend in Arizona who's made lots of money. And he talks to my friend Bob and he says, Bob, is this it? <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? The old Peggy Lee song. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friend, well, let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze, etc." In other words, if there's no purpose to anything, you want to die. You want to die. You ever heard this fairy tale? There's a king who has a beautiful daughter, and he says to all the men of the kingdom, and the king loves to hear stories. If you can come to my castle and tell me a story that never ends, I will give you half my kingdom and my daughter. But if the story comes to an end, I will chop off your head. Well, some suitors lined up in front of the castle. And they'd come into the castle, and they'd tell the king a story. But eventually, 
every story would end and they'd lose their head. Finally, one young man comes to the castle, Sir, I will tell you a story without end. There was a huge mountain of sand. An ant comes along and moves one grain of sand. And then another ant came along and moved another grain of sand. And then another ant came. After hours of this, the king finally put up his hands and said, Enough, you can have my daughter. <laughs> the point is, if there's no purpose and meaning to anything, you get tired of it and you want, you want to check out of life. And that's the sad thing in life. If, if people don't have God the Father in their life, there's no purpose or meaning to anything. So let me, let me just ask you this question. Do you know what your purpose in life is? You're here on earth for a, plan, a purpose. Why? Because God made you. You didn't bump into this existence by mistake or accident. God made you for a purpose. Do you know what your purpose is? If you don't, can I tell you what your purpose is? This comes from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. God says, the people I have created, my people I have created for my glory. The reason you're on this planet, the reason God made you, he put you on earth some way to glorify him. So you, what you do is you find out what you're good at, and then you use that somehow to glorify your heavenly father. Let's sum it all up. I... Christianity has got to be a personal thing, not a cultural thing. Believe in, not about. The devil and lots of people believe about God. They don't believe in him. They don't trust their lives into his hands. I believe in God. We're, we're monotheists, one God, the Father. He wants a personal relationship with you. Almighty, stop worrying about your problems. Trust God to take care of you. Maker of heaven and earth. That means your life has a purpose. You're here for a reason. Somehow, find a way to glorify God. That's your purpose. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. This is the portion of the show where we share questions from you, the listeners, but we also get mail from listeners. And Pastor Brock, I want you to digress and first of all, tell our audience a little bit about what's happened in the past year that mm -hmm. has led to kind of some mail that's not so fun to open. <laughs> Jackie, about a year and a half ago, because I've taken a very public stance against homosexual behavior and homosexual marriage, a homosexual magazine in the Twin Cities sent an undercover reporter who lied his way into my Catholic support group. I'm a Lutheran, but I was in a Catholic support group for men who struggle with same-sex attraction. Now these men overwhelmingly are celibate and they're not practicing and engaging in homosexual behavior. Some of them do, but they repent. But, but overwhelmingly, it's, they're celibate people that are just praying with each other to stay on the straight and narrow. Jackie, I've struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. And this reporter went in and reported my presence at this group and made me look like a monster. Well, we're trying to make lemonade out of all these lemons. Since that happened, we have expanded our ministry to... Minnesota, well, we've always been in Minnesota, but North and South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, and Illinois. So now this TV program is in all these states. The sad thing, because what the uh, reporter did was so unethical, invading a support group, a confidential, it's like somebody going to an AA group and then writing names. It was horrible. Because it was so horrible, it made national news, and I had to tell my whole family about this struggle. It was a drag. But I believe in God the Father Almighty that nothing happens by accident. 
So now I'm being very public that you can have this struggle, you can have this homosexual temptation, but you don't have to say yes to it. You can say no to it. Well, then we got this letter. Should I? This yeah. letter is something else because this gentleman <laughs> believes that God needs Tom back in the ELCA. Yeah, so liberal. I'm going to let Tom talk about that letter first. And this, this man says he's a direct descendant of Martin Luther. Well, when I wrote him back, I, well, I wrote him back and said, Martin Luther said the Bible cannot err. And he, Martin Luther called homosexuality an invention of the devil. But here's what he wrote me. Hello, Pastor Tom. Read quite a bit about you over the years. I am here not to judge you. Jesus told us to love one another and didn't come to condemn us. I think God wants you back at home in the ELCA where you belong. ELCA is the liberal branch of Lutheranism that our church left in 1991 because they pay for abortions with offering dollars and they promote homosexuality. The ELCA since then has voted to ordain practicing impenitent homosexuals. I'm concerned about you, Tom. You are afraid of being gay and fight the very part of you of who you are inside. You hide it in repression, and then you condemn people who are that way. What gives? You can't hide behind the Bible forever. Uh, Jesus told us to love one another. He didn't come into the world to condemn, but to save. Someone might change their tune if they had a gay brother like I do. Well, Jackie, I've got this homosexual struggle myself. I still say it's wrong, because it is. Um, uh, homosexuals are God's children. He won't forsake them. Same with you and I. Tom, God doesn't want you to be condemning others. Notice, he's kind of condemning and criticizing me and all this, and, and I'm not reading the whole thing. And, he's, and you are not being true to yourself, Tom. God wants you to embrace yourself. He loves you no matter what you are, straight, gay, purple hair, etc. If you have feelings for men, it's okay. Quit fighting it. If you decide to be gay or bi, I would still respect you. You're to be true to yourself and not blinded by fear. Be true to your feelings. They are normal. God doesn't screw up. Just like Saul uh, in Acts uh, 9, uh, when he persecuted others, Jesus appeared to him and Ananias was sent to help Paul see again. I am Ananias here to help you see, Tom. Tom, Tom, why do you persecute me? God is asking you. That is, why, what are you doing bashing gay churches? See just who you are inside. God didn't make junk. Be true to yourself, my friend. Go with those feelings you have inside for other men. You will not be condemned, but still loved by God. And then he quotes the Bible. If the Son set you free, you will be free indeed. Jackie, let me show you what I responded. <laughs> Dear sir, um, thank you for writing your concern. Sadly, we have a very different view of who God is. The Bible speaks of homosexual behavior as sin. In about 10 places, there is never a good word for homosexual behavior in the Bible. And the Bible ever never adds, but it is okay if you truly love each other. As Christians, we are called to fight our evil desires, not give in to them. The most disturbing thing about your email is that you encouraged me to give in to homosexual behavior. That sounds like the devil to me. As Christians, we are to encourage people to repent, not give in. To be, quote, true to my sinful nature would deny who I truly am in Christ, a new creature. For Pastor the record, Rob, I, we have to be... Oh, we've we're, got to get out of here. But anyway, Jackie, pray for this guy and pray for us that we'll be able to continue our ministry. Thanks for being with us. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor's Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry?
Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.